Welcome to the Insight Through Experience podcast, a podcast created to provide information about what life is like inside the most specialized special tactics organization in the U.S. Air Force. In these episodes, we'll be bringing you the experiences from many of our experts, ranging from our human performance optimization staff, our combat mission supporters, as well as our special warfare operators. Our main objective with these podcasts are to provide the listener with a unique look inside our culture of excellence in hopes that you will make the 724 a future career goal. Now sit back, relax, take some notes, prepare to hear from some of the Air Force's finest. Thank you for joining us on the Insight Through Experience podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Insight Through Experience podcast. Today, we have a great episode with Nick. Nick's a PJ. Nick's been in the unit for just about a decade now, uh, and he had two assignments before this one as a pararescueman as well. So tons of knowledge, tons of experience, and hopefully all of that will come through loud and clear um, in our conversation here. I really enjoyed this episode. I liked hearing about Nick's experiences. I was here when he got here. I watched Nick come through the selection process and then through OTC. What stood out to me about him is just his calm demeanor, his ability to absorb information and apply it very rapidly, and then stack on top of that knowledge over and over again. So again, I think that's what makes the operators up here pretty special, and Nick um, is absolutely an example of that. All right, let's not waste any more time, and let's let Nick drop some knowledge on us for the next 45 minutes or so. Appreciate all of you joining us again on the Insight Through Experience podcast. Love having y'all along. Let's get this episode started. All right, Nick. Thanks for joining me today, buddy. I know uh, I know you had a late flight last night, so I appreciate you uh, tuning in and joining me on the podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to uh, our discussion. Hey, so tell the audience, give us a brief background of your um, life growing up all the way up to the point of the decision to join the Air Force, if you would. Yeah, sure. So uh, growing up, my uh, my father was in the Air Force as uh, an F-16 pilot. So I kind of grew up all over the place. And um, once he ended up retiring, we moved to Montana. Um, kind of did middle school and high school there and a little bit of college. Had, to, had some fun in college there. Uh, and then 9-11 happened. And uh, after that, I kind of decided that uh, I needed to make some other decisions and I wanted to get involved in this fight. So that's was kind of the turning point for me when I decided that I uh, I wanted to come in. What were some of the keys to success? So as you entered the pipeline and coming from Montana, A, I love that you were in Montana. Not many people that I've got to talk to in, in aspect war grew up in Montana. What a cool place to freaking cut your teeth. Um, as you entered the pipeline and you started looking around and you started moving forward from school to school, what were some of the keys to success that you saw happening? Maybe in your peers, maybe things that you were learning, um, what are some of those things that could benefit people that are going to join Aspect War soon and, and are going to take that same experience underway? Um, I, you know, I think one of the biggest things uh, for me is is mindset. Um, <clears throat> really, you know, your motive uh, for doing what you want to do, uh, your motives have to drive you. If, if the, you don't have the proper motives for what you want to do, then it's going to make life a lot more difficult for you. So. If you're coming into the job and, and wanting to do the job um, for the right reasons, like the mission, the men, um, you know, wanting to go out there and uh, make a difference, then it's that's going to help you out. And having that be like the baseline and your driving force um, is, is probably one of the biggest things that helped me. 
What were some of the things you saw that were tripping guys up that maybe led to guys um, ringing the bell, if you will, and, and deselecting themselves for an aspect war lifestyle? Yeah, I think one of the one of the big things that I saw, um, you know, is self doubt. Once once uh, once somebody starts getting self doubt, and they get that that little thought in their head, um, it just spreads like wildfire. And uh, yeah, that's one of the biggest things I noticed is as soon as the guy started having thoughts um, about about uh, quitting or you know this may not be for me, like that was kind of like the uh, the little pinhole that turned into just like tearing it wide open for him. I like that analogy. How did you fight not getting the pinhole um, inside your psyche, inside that mindset? How'd you stave it off? Yeah. Uh, so for me, um, uh, my faith is, is a big part of uh, who I am. And honestly, my faith is uh, kind of what kept me going um, along with, uh, you know, the, the guys that I met along the way. Um, and not wanting to let them down and uh, wanting to be there for them. But, you know, at the end of the day as well, like I came into this job um, with with the thought in mind of, you know, as a pararescueman, I want to go out there and I want to push and drive and be harder uh, than everyone else so that I can make sure that I, I go out there and make a difference. So, you know, deep inside, when I, when I would have those uh, those moments where I watch other people uh, start to have self-doubt or, or, you know, move down that road, I almost felt like it would just kind of give me a boost um, as like, hey, you know, this is not happening to me. Like, I'm here to do this. So let me ask you this, though, Nick, how did um, man, I'm trying to correlate things and correlation doesn't equal causation a lot of times. But how did life in Montana help you going through um, the pipeline, if at all? Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I would spend my my time, you know, outside and you know, hiking, skiing, you know, just being, being a normal kid in Montana. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, living, living life, uh, a different way, just being somebody that's active and enjoys getting out and doing things like that. Uh, that definitely helped me in what I, what I decided to do, you know, I leading up to it, I used to, uh, we lived like right next to this, like, uh, where the mountains start. So, I would basically just throw a ruck on and I didn't have anything other than like these uh, bags of concrete. So <laughs> I would uh, I'd throw an 80 pound bag of concrete in a rucksack and just go for a hike up the mountains. How do you, man, and I'm just pulling on this thread a long way, but this is interesting to me because there's the dichotomy when you get into the pipeline of you got your Nicks who grew up in Montana and were carrying bags of concrete around the mountains, but you've got people growing up in cities and maybe in, uh, more rural or even urban environments and don't have some of those same um, availability of resources. So what are some things guys could do? Just we're spitballing here, but what are some things guys could do, do you think, to prep them and get that mindset ready for what they're about to go through? Yeah, you know, and I, I think there's uh, there's a lot of really good programs out there for prep. Um, obviously, I don't think I've, I've even seen all of them, but I know there's a lot of good prep programs out there. And even it, even if you don't do that, like I, I'll kind of go back to the mindset thing. I think no matter where you are uh, and what you have available to you, um, if your mindset is there that like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is my end goal. And I'm going to keep pushing and driving myself harder and faster than than I want to go uh, to achieve that goal. You know, one other thing I'm going to pull on here before we move on is your conversation around faith. And I love it. Um, 
it seems like in our society, and I know this from a statistical standpoint, religion is um, people who are religious and lean on that faith is growing smaller and smaller in the community in, in the community as in the United States. Man, it seems hard. How what are what's the rock guys can lean on when it isn't a religious rock? Like in your hard times, you got you had that faith bolstering you. Like it was like a wall that you can't go backwards because the faith is sitting there pushing you forward, right? I just wonder what are some things guys can lean on these days, man, to freaking be that rock for them. And I think your mindset's part of it, but any other ideas? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's different for everybody. Um, one of the greatest things about the military, I think, is being able to uh, be around and get to know guys from and gals from all walks of life. Um, so I think one of those things, honestly, is, uh, you know, it could be a, a number of things. It could be family. Um, it could be, you know, the situation that you're leaving, um, you know, not wanting to go back there, wanting to push forward and, uh, and, and drive towards something completely different in your life. Um, it could be, you know, friends. Um, and honestly, once you get to spend a little bit of time with the guys around you, uh, that becomes a driving force as well. Man, I love it. And I think the prep course now called the candidate course, uh, it's about seven, eight weeks long. I'm hoping that brotherhood's building there. But like you said, if it hasn't by the time ANS kicks off, if they just stay a couple of days, that brotherhood starts building really quickly. Um, and suffering usually does that for us. I love all those answers. I hope any young people out there listening who are about to come in just heard what Nick said, because I think all those things that he said can be a rock for you. Just got to figure out what um, what to stick your stake in the ground over and, and go forward with it. All right, Nick, let's pull back to to you. So what were some of your previous assignments uh, before you came up to the 724? And what were some of those positives and negatives that you experienced there? Yeah, so uh, right when I graduated the uh, the PJ Schoolhouse, I went to uh, Herbert Field to the uh, 23rd STS. Um, and then following that, I went went out to the, uh, the 321st STS out in Milton Hall, England. Uh, and then came to uh, the 724 um, after that assignment. You know, it's hard to pull out uh, negatives, really. I, I, uh, I've pretty much enjoyed every single assignment that I've had. Um, you know, Hurlburt had, uh, was kind of the nucleus there for AFSOC, and there was a ton going on, and the, and the 23rd at the time was real busy. Um, and that's actually where I first got my, uh, my look at the 724 was uh, back then. We used to come up and augment. So, um, you know, at the time, uh, my first deployment was was doing that, so I kind of got to look around and 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 see what was going on. Uh, a little bit different than the normal stuff that they do, but uh, that was interesting for me. And then did the same uh, out in England. You know, I think one of the positives in England um, was the amount of uh, interaction and travel that you get to do around Europe and uh, just just get to meet, you know other special operations folks from different countries and, and work with them in exercises. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great time. What was, uh, what was being a PJ to two, three, like when you got there? So, um, were y'all combined in the teams? Did you have your own team? How did, how was that going at the two, three at the time? Yeah. So when I got there, we were all, uh, on one team together. Um, and I think there was probably like 12 of us or so, but, uh, yeah, it was a it was a pretty tight knit group, and um, PJs were all on one team, and then there were two uh, separate combat control teams. Um, 
Yeah, so a lot of the training we would do then uh, was pretty focused on just PJ stuff. So, you know, we, we didn't integrate a whole lot with the combat controllers. Um, and, you know, I, I think that may have been something that I wish, uh, you know, if I could go back, uh, is that we were integrated with them knowing what I know now uh, and be able to spend some more time with them. And I would say the same about England, because when I got to England, um, the PJs were all on one team and the combat controllers were on another. If there's one thing I could go back in our history, the 2-4 STS, now the 724, we're the ones that led that charge back in the day. Um, we stood up blue team, all the PJs went to blue team, and then everybody out in the, the um, outside the fence line started following suit. And I think most of us controllers, we hated it. The PJs loved it because they got to do more PJ-focused training, and I get it, man. When you're on a ST team, combined it's hard for pjs to get what they need just to even stay or get their upgrade training like if you get to the two three sts and you're combined with other afscs man completing your five level is almost impossible in an st unit and that's the oh yeah and so um was that hard or was it easier because y'all were on one team when you got there you know i think it made it a little bit easier uh being able to just like focus in on some of the five level stuff but uh you know i went to I think after being at the unit for maybe a couple months, like we went over to uh, AST, which I think is STTS now. Um, and that, you know, that helped get some of our five level stuff knocked out. Didn't get all of it uh, at the time. Um, but yeah, that, that was a constant drive was trying to get that all of the, all the line items knocked off. Um, obviously, with that being a priority, I think, it, you know, I think the. Uh, the shared experience from PJs working together, and I think a lot of the places now are integrated. Um, I think it just makes guys, you know, better, well-rounded operators. I agree, man. A couple of thoughts on that. One, I'm glad that the FTU is now stood up basically like an STTS out there. So hopefully the 2-3 and all these other organizations can get handed five levels instead of having to worry about coming up with some of those light items that you guys have, because some of your light items are freaking crazy on the PJ side of the house. So thank goodness for the FTU. Shout out to the 68th out there um, doing those those jobs. And then I do think the integration is important because when we're not living together day by day, um, me being able to back you up when maybe a mass cow happens or you being able to maybe get on the laser when I'm, you know, busy and I need some help doing some cast J Tackery stuff, man, you're just not good at it when you don't live together every day and you don't talk, have the same conversations every day. So I was really happy to see when we started joining back up. And I know it was at the angst of a lot of PJs out there, but I really think it made us stronger as an ST organization when we did come back together. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. You know, um, when I got up here, um, it pretty much got, you know, aligned with a, a combat controller that I spent the majority of my time with. And uh, yeah, like that relationship was great for me. Like I, I, I trusted him. I knew him. He knew me and trusted me. We became great friends. Uh, I still talk to him today. And uh, yeah, it was, it was never really, you know, in the back of my mind, if something were to happen, I knew that he had my back and I had his, and we were able to mutually support each other. Yeah. Outstanding. Let's go back real quick. You said at the 2-3, you came up and augmented, and I know what rotation you were on. Can you just describe that um, briefly to the audience? Because the reason why I'm asking, man, is there's still opportunities to come up and augment us, and I think it's a great way to come get inside the fence line and see if this is a good fit for you. So what was that like for you back at the 2-3? Yeah, sure. So back then we were coming up and augmenting and uh, doing CSAR rotations. Um, 
So you know, you need to come up, and uh, I think you do a a week or two week train up, um, <clears throat> kind of get a little bit of the lay of the land, uh, make sure that all your gear's good to go, and then uh, get some great training, um, and just kind of a check on skills to make sure that you know you're ready to uh, push forward and do um, do what, what you're coming up there to do. Um, and then during the rotation, um, you know, it was a great time getting to. Um, basically be mentored and and uh, ask questions and just kind of get to know like the overall lay of the land um, at the uh, the 724 and it was great great because uh, I know from for me personally you know that daily interaction with uh, with the uh, the operators that were already up at at the uh, 724 um, you know being able to pick their brains on you know all kinds of stuff uh, to include just you know what what all they're up to up here any any highlights from those deployments that stand out yeah i think one of the biggest things honestly was getting to have my first kind of taste and look um at some of the sister services we started flying embedded uh towards the end of it and i thought that was that was great to me you know getting to watch uh these young rangers and uh these these other army guys uh go out and do their thing like man if anything i think that kind of fueled my fire for uh you know, pushing forward and wanting to find something else to do uh, than my current situation. Awesome. That's a great segue. So from the 2-3 to the 321st, um, what led you to finally saying, hey, it's probably time. I want to go ahead and put in my application and see if this is a good fit. Yeah. So at the 321st, we were doing some, um, uh, we would go do rotations down in uh, Stuttgart with uh, some Army guys down there and kind of running as a, an assault PJ. Uh, and then, you know, post that uh, that that other deployment uh, where I came up and augmented the 724, you know, I just decided, you know, this 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 seems like a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoy running with the guys and uh, kind of getting in the mix. And you know, I I'm definitely looking for um, <clears throat> you know something to push me a little bit further. I think uh, I'm the kind of person that you know I, I don't like to just kind of stay in a spot where I'm completely comfortable. I like to push myself outside of my comfort zone. Um, and so I was at a point where I, I really was kind of looking for something uh, a little bit more. Um, and having had the uh, the couple augmentations that I did, I knew the opportunities that were available uh, to me. And I knew that uh, I would definitely be able to drive myself forward and um, open up some new uh, some new avenues that, you know, maybe I hadn't thought of before. It's a weird question. I've never asked this before, Nick, but let's pretend like you'd never put in your application and you had to move on from 321st. What do you think? Are you staying in for 20? Like, what do you think the life would have been like? And I think it would have been positive because I think you're a positive guy, but just knowing what you got to do up here and then knowing what life would have been like out there, make that make sense to me in Nick's mind. What do you think, what, how it would have played out? You know, I, I think uh, had I chose to do something else, um, I probably would have stayed in for 20. Um, you know, I, I really love where I'm at right now. Um, like I said, though, I, I really enjoyed my time at the other units. Um, and I think, you know, wherever you are, uh, your situation is dictated by how you perceive it and how you decide to go ahead and, and, and attack it. So if you're in a spot where, you know, initially 
you're not happy with. Like maybe you just need to take a, a quick look and be like, hey, you know what? What am I really unhappy with? Look around and say, how can I make this situation better? Um, I think for me, like that's that's where my mindset goes a lot of the times. Is like, you know, I might have that moment or whatever where I'm like, man, you know, this sucks. But you know, after that, I start trying to look at it and be like, hey, you know, it, it may suck, but this is where I'm at right now. And you know, there's a lot of good things here, but how can I make this better for myself? But uh, also, you know what? Maybe maybe I can make this better for everyone else in the, in the same same time. So much wisdom in there, man. So much I want to pull out of that. I'm trying not to make this three hours long because we have a, a meeting after this, but I love it. So, and what just came to my mind when you were saying that if you run one time, if you run from one of your problems the first time, you're probably just going to keep running because that becomes your solution every time. So it's figuring out how can I make the best of the situation that I'm in and then keep looking for opportunities outside of that. But I, what I love the most about what you just said is also how can I make it better for the guys around me? Because if you can figure out how to do that, you win. Anywhere that you're at feels like heaven, if you will, just to use it. Um, and I also wanted to get you to speak on that question, because I think a lot of times people may feel like we're projecting ourselves as the only good option out there. And man, that is not true. Yeah. People have the most amazing careers that never step foot inside our fence line. And I just want people to realize that, too, as they're making the decision process of, is that right for me? I think it is a great place to come up and learn new things new skill sets, new ways to do your trade a little bit in a joint environment, but it isn't a place for everybody. So I just want everybody to have guys like you who are smart relaying that to them on the net. So I appreciate that. Let's talk about um, my personal passion, as you know, ANS, the process for operators. So as you were coming through our selection model, what were some of the challenges you went through and uh, how'd you overcome them? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I, I think I can, uh, I think I can speak for quite a few people uh, that I'm pretty close to is one of the challenges, um, you know, a lot of guys that, that come up here don't enjoy uh, failure, you know, but, you know, at some time uh, you're going to be pushed to a point where you're going to have to, you're maybe not failing, but you're not doing like you're not the best, right? So uh -huh. you're going to have to basically push yourself and drive yourself and find that, uh, that internal motivation. And that's, uh, you know, what I thought of brought up earlier uh, about what your motives are. Um, so I think when I came up to uh, the 724, my motives were uh, one based on, you know, my faith. I've been, I've been praying about it for a while about, you know, what, what to do because I've been thinking about some different options, uh, but also my family, um, my wife and kids. Um, and then, you know, the, the same thing going back is like, I don't want to fail my, the guys to the left and the right of me. Um, so I think the biggest challenge is really when you start getting to that point where uh, you're driving and you're pushing um, yourself to the limit um, is making sure that you have a good check and a, uh, you know, that, that kind of set thing that, that keeps you going. What stands out? Like what, what, our brains take snapshots of events as we're going through them. What's one of those snapshots that if somebody says ANS and you just get a glimpse of yours, what stands out? Oh man, I've, I've got a couple of good ones, but I think one of the biggest things is, uh, you know, I, I've got a lot of friends from uh, doing the job as a, as a pararescue man, but I think that, you know, during uh, selection and OTC, like it was just like, that instant bond. Like I, I, I loved being around the guys and, um, you know, there was, there was a lot of, uh, 
hard times um, in selection. Uh, I, I do remember um, out in Pisgah, it, just, it just rained on us forever. And so we were just soaking wet. Uh, and then we came back um, and they were like, hey, I, I think they probably felt bad. They're like, man, these guys have been wet for a while. So they're like, we're going to let you guys go ahead and put on, uh, you know, dry boots. So we put dry boots on and I kid you not, 10 minutes after we walked back outside with dry boots, it did, the skies opened up and it just rained <laughs> on us again. Um, but, you know, it's moments like that where, you know, I can look around and uh, the other guys and as soon as we see each other and just start smiling and it's like, all right, you know, we got this. Let's switch over to OTC. So OTC, again, for the audience, it's about eight months right now. It's what all operators come through. Again, we train them up um, really to our methods and models. But honestly, we always say on here, it's really just getting them really good at the basics that they're already doing anyway. So not putting words in your mouth, Nick, but describe OTC, your experience, and um, how you were different at the end of that eight months. Yeah, uh, that that eight months was, was uh, you know, the best training that I've ever had. Like, and it was great because you go into it and I mean, you don't have to set anything up. You just show up and perform. Um, and I think at the end of that months, uh, uh, excuse me, at the end of that eight months, um, came out of there, um, you know, a much more capable, uh, competent, um, and stronger operator. Um, yeah, and we pretty much, you know, went down the whole, whole line of everything that, uh, you know, we need to do in our job between, you know, jumping, uh, CQB, smut, everything. It was great, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. For all those PJs that are out there thinking about making this a career goal, um, how are you different, or what was different is probably the wrong word here. How are you a better PJ at the end of that eight months, if you could explain it in words? Yeah, um, you know, on the pararescue side of it, uh, just the amount of patient contact and um, work that I was able to do medically um, was unlike anything I'd ever done before. Um, and I would say the same thing about, you know, rope skills and extrication, like just the ability to go out and uh, really test yourself um, and basically take all those, those baseline skills that you have and just kind of bring them to a new level um, through you know, just a volume of experience. Maybe on the, the same type of question, how about just being a general tactician on the ground in ground maneuver warfare? Um, how did that build? What did OTC do for that, I should say? Yeah, uh, you know, we had a, a great, uh, great couple of instructors that took that block of training. And I think that was something, you know, back when I went through uh, the pararescue school, um, you know, we taught tactics and all that, but, you know, there's just not a whole lot of time to really dig into it. So um, during OTC, we were able to dig into that a lot more and um, definitely came out of there feeling like a um, much more competent um, tactician and <clears throat> ready to go out and um, and jump in uh, with whoever I was going to work with and, you know, just start doing good business. Awesome. So post OTC graduation, what's been your career path? Where did you go? What were you focused on when you came off OTC? So immediately when I came off, um, I went to Blue Team and I was attaching with other other services. Uh, I did that for you know probably four and a half years or so. Um, and then I swapped over to uh, do commando work and focused in a lot more on uh, core soft skills. 
uh, and driving forward some initiatives that we're working on there. Uh, was a team leader over on the commando side um, and then pushed into a section chief role uh, dealing with guys that were working uh, with sister services and then uh, pushed into a troop chief role um, and had the experience to do troop chief of basically a group of guys, a couple of teams that were working with uh, sister services and then a couple of teams that were doing commando stuff. So that part was was a lot of fun. Got to uh, basically run out and uh, actually, you know, tactically lead on the commando side, uh, as well as lead and mentor on the other side. Um, and now uh, I'm in charge of uh, four different teams that are uh, just doing sister service work. Yeah, let's go back to your time doing that work when you were getting attached to either Army or Navy forces. Um, looking back on it, what are those snapshots that you still have in your memory about those? What are some of the positives, maybe some of the lessons learned that you took away from there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the positives um, is, once again, you know, just kind of being pushed outside of that comfort zone. Um, you know, I think some of the uh, the greatest growth uh, that I've had in my life and that I think I see a lot of other people is when we're pushed outside of that comfort zone and we're almost put in a situation to um, perform and to make a decision on one, how we're going to present ourselves uh, and two, how hard am I going to work to be the best guy in the room? Like one as a PJ, but two as a guy that's uh, trying to go out there and be a teammate um, on someone else's team and just make sure that I'm, they're providing, uh, you know, whatever is needed um, before anyone really asks. Just, you know, just being a guy that is proactive and going out and doing things. Did you get to support the same teams that maybe the Navy a couple of times in a row? Did you get moved around? How was it assimilation like when you went up there? Did it get easier? Yeah, I did get to uh, support the the same teams um, a couple of rotations in a row. Uh, and that was, that was really nice uh, to be able to have the... Uh, the continuity and the friendships that I had, you know, built through the first time, um, you know, just that, that part was great. Uh, already knowing the guys that were there and uh, being able to just continue to roll right into what we were doing. Makes me wonder, though, because you're such a likable guy anyway. What was your game plan going in the first time, first rotation up, first time you walked in the team room? What was Nick's <laughs> plan? Yeah, my, my plan going into it was, uh, you know, I think one of the unique things that we bring is our skill set. You know, we're there because we provide something that no one else does. So a lot of times, like if I walk into a situation where I don't know people, um, I, I'm one of those people that likes to kind of just kind of soak things in for a little bit, be aware of my surroundings before I start injecting myself. And in those times, like the only thing that you really can do that speaks uh, without saying words, is just, uh, you know, being really good at your job um, and trying to, do all those things just be be proactive and, and do your job and uh just kind of take it in uh because it's a new environment you know um there's so much to learn um from working with uh you know guys that do, do things other than us like i think that's the thing for me is like <clears throat> there's so much to be learned uh and so much opportunity there that if you were to walk into a situ like, situation like that um, just kind of thinking that you're the big dog on campus, like you're going to miss out on so much wisdom and so much that you, you could have taken away from that had you approached it differently. Well said, man. My 
game plans going in at both the Army and the Navy where the first thing is show up in the gym every day because they're in the gym every day. And if they see you in there, it's automatically the, you start building this silent bond of, hey, I see that guy putting putting some effort in every day. They'll never tell you that, but you know that it's happening. And then, like you said, be the best at what you do, because if you're not the best at what you do, why do they need you there anyway? So yep. let's talk about the commando side real quick, because you lived that lifestyle for a while. And um, we haven't spread that out in the community for a while. And I know we're adjusting and evolving up here, too. So hey, explain that experience a little bit for the audience. And how is that transforming, at least in your eyes and perceptions right now? Yeah. Um I thought it was a great opportunity. Uh, I really enjoyed my time there. And the unique part about it is um, being able to work with your own guys. Like, you know, we spent a lot of time um, working on other teams. Um, and, you know, that's great. I love that. But uh, there's something to be said about, you know, being able to go and spend some time uh, working with just your own guys. Um, where, where you're working with them day in, day out. You know them. Um, and the opportunity to focus in on, on some different problem sets. Uh, you know, I, I love, uh, I love being pushed and there's definitely some, some hard problems that need to be solved and kind of having a blank slate to jump in there and be like, Hey, you know what, like, what are we going to do with this? Like, let's think through this. Um, you're given the opportunity to really just kind of take the restraints off and think through a problem and, and be a problem solver. And I think that's one thing that, you know, uh, guys up here are really good at is is problem solving, um, and that's one thing that I noticed about uh, PJs is like like problem solving is one of the things that uh, kind of sets them apart. Like they're they're really good at looking at a problem like in a different a different way than a lot of other people would look at it. I just said that recently on a pack podcast. I think it was the ones ready, but man, if I have something unique, novel that I need solved. First person I'm grabbing is a PJ, and I don't know if it's the dynamic nature of medicine. It surely partly is to blame on your ropes and having to develop systems in a unique situation almost every time that you have to do it. But I agree, man. PJs are some of the best problem solvers I've ever been around, and we don't talk about that a lot. But I think at the end of OTC, you guys have enough reps at your job at what you're supposed to be doing for the ground force commander that it opens up your bandwidth. And if he needs help solving something novel or unique, man, if I'm him, I'm grabbing one of you guys, at least going over there and having to talk to you and say, how would you, how would you solve this? Or this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? What, what's the evolution going on up there as much as you can tell us right now, um, are commandos still around or we still have that same focus? Is it evolving? Um, what can you relate to the audience just so they have a kind of an understanding of where yeah. we're going? Yeah, the commandos are still around, um, and I think what they are doing right now is is uh, is still evolving. Um, I think there's some some really good opportunities there, uh, and like I said, they they are at a point right now where they're able to kind of dig in and um, focus on what what they're looking at, um, which is kind of which is kind of cool. They've got some uh, some basic basically some time to just really focus in and and get good at those those tactics. Uh, reconnaissance like whatever else they're digging into um and just really really hit it hard um but yeah they're definitely still around and they're still uh, they're still working through it here's what i love about our organization and i i would think you would agree but i'd like to get your comments on it when we stood the commandos up years ago and we we have visionaries up there man and, and luckily sometimes we follow their vision and try to turn that into reality 
But I think everybody outside the fence line and even some inside the fence line were like, what are y'all doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, that doesn't fit in the model of this counter VEO fight that we're doing right now. So what are you doing? But now that we see how war has evolved and now what we're focused on, what they established is exactly where we needed to be in this moment. Um, and now you see the other ST units trying to quickly evolve and adapt that same model that we applied through some great visionaries, and I wasn't one of them, um, that stood this concept up. So any thoughts on that, man? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, um, you know, just persistence and hard work and driving through, you know, a lot of those people being like, hey, you know, like, what are you guys doing? Like, and, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of working through ambiguity, like there's, you know, there's some times where like you, you have you have an end goal, right? But the, the path to get there is somewhat open to, you know, how you want to do it. So I think that's kind of a unique unique uh, part about being where we are um, is just being able to you know kind of create like a bit of a path on how you want to get to something and what you think you can do to make make yourself and your team more successful uh, in that like the options are, are pretty wide open yeah I couldn't agree more so knowing what you know now Nick you can see behind the curtain and if you were a PJ out there what should they know what should they know what should be driving their desire to come up there? Um, because you had this knowledge of what you guys are doing on a daily basis. What should be some of those driving motivations for guys that want to come up and work there? Yeah, I'd say, you know, if you're if you're looking for, you know, a little something more or different, there's never there's never a bad time like to come up. Uh, in fact, I wish I would have come up sooner. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time um, at the units that I went to. And, you know, it's hard to say that I would I would have wanted to come up sooner because I, I also feel like I wouldn't want to trade anything that I got to do. Uh, but yeah, I, I've really enjoyed my time up here. And um, I would just say, if you're thinking about it, like just put a package in and, uh, and give it a shot. Um, you know, there's really nothing to lose. Like whether you come up and uh, things don't work out the way that you um, had envisioned them or everything works out the way that you had planned. Like, again, I, I'll throw that back to perspective. Like, there's so much uh, that you can learn about yourself by just pushing yourself to the limit. Um, I think that's probably one of the best ways to really figure out who you are uh, is, is pushing yourself forward um, to, you know, way outside your comfort zone. But yeah, I would I'd say if you're, if you're thinking about, uh, you know, trying to look for something that's um, maybe a little bit different and, you know, now's, now's the time. Like, don't, I wouldn't wait. Let's talk about support real quick, because one thing that kept me, at the organization for as many years as I've been there is our amazing support network. Again, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Explain the support structure and, and how that's um, benefited you as an operator. Yeah, the support structure is is pretty pretty amazing. It's unparalleled. Like I, I hadn't really run into this uh, at any of, the, any of the other units that I've been at. Um, and I think it pretty much goes at all levels. You know, our support folks are um, assessed and selected as well. Like there are people that are are motivated and want to be up there to do you know whatever their job is. Um, and I think one of the most important parts to th to to say about this is like all of our jobs are intertwined. Like they do amazing work so that we can go do the the work that we do. Um, you know it it can't happen if if those people aren't doing what they're doing. We can't do what we do, and none of this gets done. So. Uh, it's a pretty amazing crew, um, and they will do whatever they need to do to make sure that they're getting uh, 
getting the job done um, on on the sports side. And it doesn't matter what shop they're in. Like I've had nothing but uh, good experiences with the support folks. Yeah, I think it's a huge bonus of being up there. And also, you know, we're a compressed group, unlike the 720th that's spread out all over the continental United States. All of our support network now, we're all in on the same compound. So if one guy's out because he's sick, like another ST might be screwed that day because that guy's out, right? Us, man, there's two or three guys lined stacked deep, usually in every position. So it's just an incredible place to be. But I want to switch over to something because your wife was on a podcast earlier. So she's been <laughs> on uh, this podcast long before Nick ever got to come on. And yep. Sarah knocked it out of the park, man. She was awesome. It was such my privilege to be on that conversation with her that day. But Let's talk about the spouses and, and what you've experienced with spouse support or how the spouse life is up here, because a lot of guys have spouses who are really, you know, sometimes they're the hardest person to sell. And I'm not asking you to sell it. I just want to give them some reality from Nick's perspective of, of being married up here um, and what that experience has been like. Well, first off, I have to I have to agree with you. Like my wife is is pretty amazing. Um, definitely some of that helps make me better. But uh no, I think as far as the spouses go, like the uh, the support network and and just the the uh, the friendship that has grown up here between the spouses, like man, like I, it's been a great place for us. Um, I, I think my wife's been really happy here. Um, made some great friends, uh, great support network um, to include the uh, the HP staff. Like I know she's uh, you know talk talk to people throughout the staff and. Uh, and they've been open to you know different ideas and things that she was wanting to do as well. And um, I think uh, I think it's a great place. Um, I have, like I said earlier, I have uh, you know I'm married and I have uh, two two kids, and we have thoroughly enjoyed uh, being here. Like it's, I know there's a lot of uh, talk about you know you go there and you're never going to be around, but you know the reality of it is like I, I don't feel like I'm I'm gone any more than I was at any other unit. Um, I was I was pretty busy in England. Um, I came here and yeah, I felt like it was great. And on top of that, like the support for families and for spouses, like you know, there's just there's some different programs that are here that I don't think uh, really exist at any other unit um, that's available for them. Yeah, well said. And I think again, that's another joy of us being a compressed group in one place is all those assets just get to be focused on everybody here. So I'm gonna talk real quick before we move towards the end about the HPO evolution up here though, because mm. you got here and there was really no human performance optimization staff members here. If there was, there was only one, I think when you got here. Yeah. How yeah. has that evolution been from strength coaches to PTs to docs to everything that, that you've witnessed in your last decade here? Can you just explain that for the audience of where we came from and where we're at now? Um, and yeah, like you said, I, over my my time um, my time here, I've seen it grow uh, into what it is now, and it's pretty amazing. Like we have got uh, you know great great team of uh, strength coaches and physical therapists, uh, physical trainers, like um, the docs, like everybody working together. Like the whole HP staff is is pretty amazing, um, right down to you know nutritionists and everything else. Like. Not enough great things to say about them. They've they've definitely been the ones that have you know kept me going personally, and I know that that's the same for a lot of guys um, up there. Um, they will bend over backwards to make sure that uh, you're you're fit and healthy, and like you know helping out with all the all the things that happen just from from doing the the work that we do. 
to keep you going and keep you running. Awesome. Nick, as we wind down to this final question, really what I'm just asking here is what have I not asked you that I should have asked you on here? What are some rounds that you have left in the chamber that you want to get out there? I think one of the biggest things I would just say is, you know, you, you asked it earlier, but, you know, if, if it's in the back of your mind to uh, maybe come up and assess and try it out, like, you know, I, I wouldn't wait. Um, if that's if that's there in the back of your mind, it's there for a reason. Um, you know, and sometimes you just got to trust what's going on. But uh, I would say go ahead and reach out and just uh, push yourself outside of your comfort zone and just see what happens. Um, it'd be a great opportunity one way or another. Um, and other than that, like, honestly, like, you know, like I've been here for about 10 years now. And this this has been a great, uh, a great place, just great people. Um, I think one of the biggest things uh, that I take away is every single day at work, um, I feel like I am driven forward by another operator that is uh whether he's a newer guy or an older guy like there's always somebody that is better than you at something and it's pretty amazing to be able to work in a place that every single day uh i walk in there i know that i've got to be on my a game to you know just show up and perform uh and i think that's pretty pretty amazing and that's one of the things you know that i i think brought me up to where i'm where I'm at working here is, is wanting to be around guys like that. Yeah. It's just that kind of mutual competition and drive between each other. I think that makes, makes you just that much sharper. I could not agree anymore. Nick, I appreciate you coming on today and taking the time, man. I know just for the audience, me and Nick's about to go over and brief the graduating class at the PJ school here in a few minutes. I hear they have a I think the biggest class they've ever had graduate. So this should be fun. So we're going to head over there in about an hour. But Nick, thanks for taking the time on here today, man. I know you got in late, so appreciate taking the time. Yeah, thank you.